You're listening to episode 15 of Rainbow Baby, a podcast documenting a journey of pregnancy after loss. I'm your host, Taylor Bates. In May 2018, my first child, Ellis, was stillborn at 31 weeks for unknown reasons. In the depths of unimaginable grief, my husband Hunter and I knew we wanted to try again. Since then, we've experienced new pregnancies and more loss. We're still hoping for our rainbow baby, which is a baby born subsequent to a miscarriage, stillbirth, TFMR, or the death of an infant from natural causes. I want to share my story with you because life after pregnancy loss can be so isolating. You'll also hear conversations with others who've walked this path before me. This episode is a documentation of the first few weeks of my pregnancy, including our first ultrasound, and also the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. I talk about dealing with people's comments about our pregnancy, attending my first baby shower since experiencing pregnancy loss, and dealing with anxiety related to pregnancy after loss and COVID-19. Here is the episode. Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be connecting with you. So much has changed since my last episode. Um, It's kind of incredible, actually. Um, In this episode, I want to talk about what the first several weeks of my pregnancy have been like, and um, that includes our first ultrasound um, and all of the feelings that that entailed, um, and also, of course, what we're all experiencing together right now, um, the COVID-19 pandemic, which has just been life-altering for all of us. So, yeah, I guess I'll start with um, the the first couple of weeks after getting my positive pregnancy test. Um, pretty shortly after sharing our announcement, which we did very early knowing that, you know, everything is uncertain, but we need all the support that we can get. Um, I had several people make comments that made me aware that um, I'm not alone in my anxiety. The people around us are also anxious for us, just knowing our history. And I had a friend who I saw and she said, Taylor, I hope that you won't be upset that I I am not showing my excitement for your pregnancy because um, I just don't want to jinx it. And it was kind of, it was hard to hear because for me, it's really important that I believe I can carry this baby to term. Um, I don't want to believe in jinxing my pregnancy by, by having hope. Um, that's really important for me to be able to have hope and express that hope and excitement. Um, so her voicing that, you know, fear and anxiety just made me more, I guess, secure in what I need to do for myself during pregnancy after loss. Um, the other comment that I got was, um, how are you going to, basically, how are you going to prevent this from happening again? How is your doctor going to prevent another stillbirth? And that's such a loaded question because, you know, of course we're going to do everything we can, um, to prevent that from happening again, but ultimately it's out of our control. So again, that just, um, made me very aware that other people have those fears at the front of their minds too. Um, so 
during that time, I continued the shots that I've been on. Um, so I'm taking progesterone and oil shots daily that Hunter gives me and also Lovenox, which is a blood thinner, um, which is supposed to help prevent blood clots, which might be related to miscarriage. Um, I'm also on a baby aspirin daily, of course, prenatal vitamins, um, and a, an estrogen pill because I needed that during my, um, during the stimulation phase of our transfer cycle. So they just had me continue on it. So I'll continue all those medications until hopefully we hit 12 weeks. Um, and yeah, again, during that, those first couple of weeks, um, it was just an interesting time. I actually went to my first baby shower since Ellis was stillborn. So my first baby shower in almost two years. And it's definitely something that, um, I I really haven't had to try that hard to avoid going to a baby shower because I honestly haven't gotten any invitations. Um, and I don't know if that's because people are consciously not inviting me because of what we've been through or if, you know, I just don't have friends who are having a lot of baby showers, but, um, I feel like it's probably the first reason, um, which I'm grateful for. Honestly, it would, it would have been really hard to go to baby showers early on, especially in the first year after Ellis's stillbirth. Um, but this one was a, a good friend and someone who actually was helping to plan my baby shower with Ellis and, um, our baby shower, ironically, the invitations went out the day that Ellis was stillborn. So that's baby showers in general are just very triggering for me. Um, but this was a group of friends who know what we've been through. So it felt like a safe place. And also it helped because I knew I was pregnant. So just knowing that made it a lot easier to be there. Um, so that was kind of a milestone for me personally, just going to my first baby shower after loss. Um, we, Hunter and I also went and visited a couple of friends who recently had a stillborn baby. And that was a really powerful experience just to be able to use our, um, all that we've been through to be able to hopefully help another couple. It was actually the first couple that Hunter and I have both, you know, known as friends and have been able to show up for them. Um, and of course, it's devastating to see your friends go through something that you never wish on anyone else. Um, but it also just was a really nice way for us to, you know, express our own grief and kind of explore that again, something we don't do as much anymore. And so, um, to be able to hear their story, hear about their baby and all the special things they've done since he died. Um, and then, you know, be able to share our story with them and answer questions that they have. That was just, it was a gift for both of us, I think. Um, and again, though, going through that after, um, being pregnant, um, gave me, I don't know, it it gave me at first a little bit of anxiety, um, just kind of facing that reality of like this, 
loss can loss happens even though i know that from firsthand experience it was just kind of a reminder and i also found myself really anxious because i i didn't know what to say to them and it gave me just even more empathy for all the people who don't who didn't know what to say to us or how to support us after ellis was stillborn um and you know that's again coming from someone who's been through this so it's just, it's really hard to know what to say. So what I did was just say a prayer, you know, on the way to seeing them and ask that spirit would guide me with, with what to say and and what they needed to hear. Um, and just trust that I would be able to provide that for them. Um, and I, and I think that that worked because I didn't, I couldn't have planned anything that we ended up talking about. We stayed with them for about three hours. Um, So on to the next topic, COVID-19. Oh my gosh, I just can't believe everything that's happened in the last few weeks. It seemed like just within a few days, it changed from something that we were all sort of aware of to like something that really was going to be a problem and was going to be life altering. And I never would have anticipated all the ways that it's affected um, the fertility world and pregnancy. Um, my heart just goes out to all of the parents who've had to pause or cancel their IVF cycles. I know that that's very common right now. It's happening a lot because, um, fertility clinics are wanting to kind of be aligned with um, the healthcare world right now and what's going on and they're limiting exposure to their staff and also to their pregnant patients. Um, So I feel like we just slid in at the last moment with our transfer because we transferred a month ago. So just, you know, a couple weeks before all this really picked up. I'm just so grateful that we were able to transfer and that obviously that it worked. Um... So again, my heart just goes out to you if you had to, if you're on pause right now because the the waiting is so hard and then just have another thing that's out of your control on top of, add waiting on top of waiting. Um, I can just imagine how um, hard that would be and anxiety ridden on top of what we already all have to be anxious about. I also have several pregnant friends right now who are being affected they're wondering if their partners will be able to be present for their birth. They're wondering if they'll be exposed to COVID-19 at the hospital when they're giving birth. Um, they're having to cancel baby showers, cancel maternity photo shoots, um, cancel childbirth prep classes. All of that, I can just imagine, would be so hard. And who knows how long this will last. So I am aware that I might find myself in that same position. I I hope that by November, you know, this might have settled down, but I, none of us really know. That's what's so crazy about this. Um, for me right now, the way that it's affected me the most regarding our pregnancy is that um, our OB is only allowing patients in for prenatal appointments which means that Hunter won't be able to attend with me um, for our ultrasounds, for any of our appointments. 
for the time being. And that's very triggering for me because when Ellis was stillborn, um, Hunter was out of town that weekend on, on a work trip. And I took myself to the hospital when I realized that Ellis had stopped moving and had to be at that ultrasound and hear the words, I'm sorry, there is no heartbeat, um, by myself, which, you know, it's terrible either way, but I would have preferred to have Hunter there. And so I told myself during pregnancy after loss that I would never be alone at another appointment again. And so either Hunter or one of my family members would be there with me. And now that option has at least temporarily been taken away. Um, which, you know, I know I'm not alone in this, so that helps a little bit, um, even though it sucks for all of us, but, um, that's something that I'm not looking forward to. Um, and our first, our first ultrasound actually, um, was with our fertility clinic and they made arrangements for Hunter to be able to attend with me because they, are very sensitive to our history and um, had already cleared out a lot of appointments with other patients. So basically the whole clinic was empty except for me and Hunter during that window of time that we were there um, so that we wouldn't be, um, you know, causing any extra exposure for other patients, which was so generous of them. Um, So we went to that appointment and the day before my anxiety had really started to kick up you know, not only with all of the COVID stuff and having to be confined at home, um, but also just feeling anxious about what we would see or not see during the ultrasound. Um, I was really terrified of going to an appointment again and, and not seeing or hearing a heartbeat. Um, and even though it was very early, we were still, um, just at around, I think six weeks, just, just past six six weeks pregnant. Um, but at that point, I think it's, it's likely that you'll see a heartbeat. So I, um, just tried to kind of cope with those anxious feelings. For me, it manifested like these flutters in my stomach, you know, just really kind of that uncomfortable, like anxious, that sort of anxiety that like bubbles up inside of you. And, um, that day before the ultrasound, I just kind of tried to distract myself in healthy ways. And, um, whenever I would feel that anxiety bubble up, um, I also just kept kind of repeating my mantras of like, just take it one day at a time and, um, and trust that my body is a safe place for this baby. Um, and that my body knows what it's doing. Um, I had been reading this book called Pregnancy Brain, which is for um, women experiencing high-risk pregnancy and um, also includes people who've been through previous loss like me. And um, I highly recommend the book. It's been so helpful at the beginning of this pregnancy to have as like foundational knowledge. But she approaches it from a perspective of the mind-body connection and kind of acknowledging that by the time you're already pregnant, it's really hard to stop those anxious thoughts. So her approach is to 
calm your body since you can't really stop your thoughts. Um, so it's a lot of, um, you know, just kind of trusting that your body is a safe place, but then, um, taking time to pause and, um, identify what your body needs in this particular moment. So, you know, whether that's a nap or a cup of tea or a cold washcloth on the back of your neck or a deep breath and a long exhale, you know, all those things that can just help to calm your nervous system ultimately will help to ease your anxiety over the long term. So that's been really helpful. And I definitely was using those techniques um, the day before our ultrasound and the day of. Um, And of course, I reached out to close family and friends who understand and who I trust with this and told them the thoughts and feelings I was having. Um, And just knowing that they were thinking of me and saying prayers really helped me to feel peace through that experience because that was my prayer is just to have peace. Um, So that morning of the ultrasound, I woke up really early and um, couldn't go back to sleep Um, and one thing I forgot to say is that the day before was, I think I was six weeks and three days pregnant, which was when our previous baby that I miscarried, um, had stopped growing six weeks and three days. So that was another huge source of anxiety was just like approaching that same milestone in time and hoping that we would surpass that. So, um, yeah, that day of the ultrasound, um, you know, my stomach was kind of in knots, but when I was able to have those moments of calming the anxiety, I also had this internal intuitive knowing that it was going to be okay. And I really could envision being in the appointment, hearing the baby's heartbeat and being overwhelmed with love and emotion. Um, so having those visions, I kept trying to just like focus on that instead of the anxious thoughts. And that was helpful. Um, one thing I recommend for any of you going to your ultrasound appointments is that you leave in plenty of time because, um, we did not do that. (laughs) And our, uh, clinic is about a 20 minute drive away if there's no traffic. And, we ended up being about 10 minutes late, which like really revved up my anxiety. So I would recommend not doing that. But (laughs) other than that, it was, um, a really good appointment. Everyone at the clinic was, um, very sweet to us when we were arrived and, um, excited for us. And we went back into the room, um, prepped for the ultrasound and, Oh my gosh, we got to hear the heartbeat. It was so incredible. Just get, a, get a heartbeat real quick. Okay, 122. There you go. The nurse who was doing the ultrasound, she did a pretty good job of cutting to the chase, which I've had other ultrasounds where they spent like 10 minutes and didn't tell me what was going on. And that's just like really anxiety inducing. But, um, she, she talked us through the whole thing. I could see the monitor and so good Hunter. And right away I on my own was able to see that tiny little flutter on the ultrasound, which I knew was the baby's heartbeat. 
and it just it gives me chills right now even just to say that um and then they were able to somehow put the the wand in the spot so that we were able to hear the heartbeat and i was overcome with emotion i started crying and you know tears of joy and uh and and also tears of relief right because i had just we waited for this moment for two years to hear our baby's heartbeat two years since um we lost her ellis's heartbeat so it was just it was a wonderful moment something i'll always cherish and hunter recorded the the heartbeat on his phone and also got some great pictures of me ugly crying in that moment which are awesome i shared them on instagram um and yeah i've watched that video probably a hundred times since then just over and over looking at and listening to that precious heartbeat something i absolutely am so grateful for and do not take for granted Ugh, it's amazing so that experience of seeing the heartbeat hearing the heartbeat just immediately melted away all of my anxiety and it's that feeling has lasted now almost a week later it's been um, I have not had anxiety about the pregnancy. I've just had this sense of peace and trust. Um, and I, I know that that might not last throughout the whole pregnancy. I certainly hope it does. I'm sure there will be more anxious moments, but for now, you know, just taking it day by day, um, that is my mantra. And that day was a really good day. Speaking of day by day, um, you might, you may or may not be aware that I've created these really sweet rainbow lapel pins. Um, I created, came up with the idea about a year ago um, when I was pregnant with the baby that we miscarried, and it was something that I wanted to be able, I wanted to be able to wear something through the experience of pregnancy after loss that would be a reminder to hold on to hope and to take things day by day, to not dwell on the past and what happened to us and not project anxiety into the future, just live in the present moment. So it's a little um, one and a half inch rainbow that says day by day on it. And um, I am actually selling those on my website. So the proceeds go to support this podcast, which is fully created and produced by me. Um, and I really hope that it, it acts as a token of, of hope and presence for anyone who wears it, you know, whether they're going through pregnancy after loss or anything hard, you know, like COVID-19, this is a perfect example of, of, all of us just needing to live day by day. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or a month from now. Um, so just kind of cling to the present moment and look for the good in the present moment. Look for the things that, that bring us hope. So some other um, tips that I have for 
just dealing with the anxiety that comes with pregnancy after loss, with um, anticipating an ultrasound, and with COVID-19. You know, like I said earlier, talk with trusted loved ones um, about your anxiety. And for me, that's been really helpful um, just to kind of release those thoughts that often we keep to ourselves and, and might cause us even a little bit of shame. Um, I feel like once you shine a light on it, that it, the shame can't survive. Another way to kind of express those feelings is through journaling. And for me, that's been really powerful just to um, kind of sort out my thoughts and figure out what I'm really, what are the kind of the root feeling of my anxiety. A lot of times that ends up coming out in my writing whereas I might not be conscious of it otherwise. Um, Another great tool, of course, is meditation. Um, And sometimes for me, that can just be like a couple minutes of mindful breathing. Um, And if you have the time, trying 10 or 20 minutes. Um, There's a lot of really great apps out there. I love um, Mindful IVF. And right now I'm using his um, first trimester meditations. He's got a very soothing voice and I just really like his approach to um, the meditations. Um, I also mentioned earlier the Pregnancy Brain book. That has been a really helpful resource for me um, in approaching pregnancy after loss and specifically being considered high risk just because of our history of stillbirth. Um, she gives really great um, insight and, and research-based knowledge into understanding um, what are what are the effect of our mind-body connection and the power that we have to um, positively impact our pregnancies with um, kind of these mind-body approaches. And a big part of that, like I said, is trusting that my body is a safe place for the baby, which is really hard to do once you've experienced loss, pregnancy loss. Um, you, you, it's, it's easy to feel like your body is not a safe place. Like for me, just knowing that my baby died inside of me and I had no control over that, um, so just learning to re, re-trust my body, um, relearning to trust my body. Another recommendation is, um, especially with an ultrasound, call your clinic ahead of time, like a few days before, and remind them of your history if they're not aware of it. Um, if you have a history of pregnancy loss, and tell them that you're feeling anxious about the appointment and see what they can do to help. You know, even just having them be aware of that can help them to be more supportive of you when you arrive. Um, <clears throat> and for me, that was, um, I called ahead of time and they were able to make accommodations to have Hunter attend the appointment with me, which was incredible. They, like I said, they cleared out um, a time where we were the only people in the clinic Um, just so that he he wouldn't, you know, be a potential COVID exposure for any other patients. Um, So those are kind of my big tips right now for dealing with 
anxiety in early pregnancy after loss and with ultrasounds and with just the unknowns of what we're all going through right now with COVID-19. And um, I just want to say that my heart is with all of you and um, we're all in this together, which, you know, I've had this experience recently of being on a walk and feeling like my I had this heart connection with all the people that I saw on the walk um, because of what we're all collectively going through together. And it reminded me of the feelings that I had while grieving after Ellis was stillborn. And I remember going on a walk and feeling that same like open-heartedness just toward everyone that I saw. And it made me realize we're all grieving right now together. We're all grieving you know, the losses that we've experienced because of COVID-19, whether it's losing a job, losing our health, losing people that we love, losing our economy, you know, basically just losing every, everything the way that it used to be. It's not going to be the same even when we come out of this. Um, and hopefully there will be a lot of positive changes, but there's going to be a lot of of, um, losses that are just really hard no matter what. Um, so yeah, just knowing that we're all in this together and, um, same with pregnancy after loss, you're not alone. I have to remind myself of that. I'm not the only woman going through this. There are so many other women who have gone before me and who are, who are currently experiencing this. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's where I'm at. I hope this episode was meaningful for you. To connect with me, you can visit taylorashleybates.com and also find me on Instagram. Please share this podcast with anyone you know who is walking through life after pregnancy loss, whether they are trying to conceive, currently pregnant, or parenting after loss. And please subscribe and review this podcast. Your feedback helps others to find it and is also so encouraging to me. Until next time, I'm Taylor Bates. Thank you so much for listening.